welcome to hey great shot this is the great shot podcast a cracked rackets and tennis channel podcast network production my name is alex gruskin right off the bat west off you know all the exciting sound effects i am looking for because finally after a five plus month hiatus that saw a lot of fun exhibition tennis and certainly provided us with plenty of content we have the return of the ATP and WTA tours in New York, the three-week bubble beginning today, Western and Southern Open, followed by the U.S. Open, and we've talked so much about the safety and health protocols. We've talked so much about what tennis is going to look like in the midst of a global pandemic, but finally, since we have the draws out, we know who the qualifiers are, we know what matches we're going to be seeing, it's time to do something we haven't done in far too long, folks. It's time to talk a a little bit of tennis and joining me to break down the ATP draw of the Western and Southern Open is the man who of course has to be making his return to our Crack Rackets podcast given that we have tennis back. You of course know him as your favorite Crack Rackets writer, a returning champion here on our podcast and of course the only man who can match me stride for stride for enthusiasm in the tennis tour's return. Of course I am caught talking about Matt the Cracks the Koyak. Matty, hey Great shot, and welcome back to the show. You know I say it every time, but this time I mean it. It has been far too long. Wow. Wow, 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 man. I never thought that the voice of Alex Gruskin would sound so good. I am just happy to hear you, man. We actually have meaningful, real live tennis that we're able to talk about. This is awesome, man. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm glad to be back on the pod with you. Uh, breaking all of this down. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you, Maddie. And as you mentioned, uh, we finally just, we have matches that we know we're going to see. The players are locked in. They've gotten to New York. They've done their testing. We are through all of that. So as I've mentioned today, the focus is going to be strictly on the draw and the tennis we are going to see. Now, for you listeners out there who do want to hear more about our thoughts on the safety and health protocols, on everything that's going to influence New York, given it's happening in the midst of a global pandemic, of course, I will highly recommend you go check out the Mini Break podcast. We've done guests like Mark Lucero, Ben Rothenberg, of course, so many players, other members of the media as well, all have come on the pod, expressed their opinions, but it's finally time to talk a little bit of tennis, and it's been five plus months, obviously, we got to see some qualifying action on Thursday and then on Friday. We've also gotten to see two challengers being played this week, and more than anything, Maddie, let's just start there. Let's relish in it for a second. I know it was hard to find streams for all of these events, but how nice is it just to have tennis back in our lives? It's awesome, man. I mean, it's just you get used to this routine without any tennis and and you kind of forget about it for a little while. But then when it comes back, it, it really just reminded me just the joy that I have of watching tennis, regardless of the level. I mean, it could be junior tennis, college, professional, whatever. It's just, it's fun to watch these guys and, and girls compete, you know, with something actually on the line. And I enjoyed the XOs and all of that. I mean, you know, I still was able to get my tennis fix, but you know, this is, this is the juicy stuff, man. And, and we both love this. So I'm ready, man. Let's, let's, 
dive in. I only wish the listeners could see the smile on my face as you said all of that. I could not agree any more with you. It's just going to be so exciting to have all of these players back on court competing against one another. And of course, it's going to be great from a fan perspective to get to watch all of that action. Now, if you want to get in on the action, I highly recommend you go to our friends at DraftKings. You get in on all of it. I mean, we are going to have so much tennis over these next three weeks, folks. And we here at Crack Rackets, Maddie, you know this as well. We have the most well-informed, best-educated fans in the business. So why not take advantage of that fact? Go to DraftKings, get in on all of the action. In case you don't know how it works, you're going to go to DraftKings.com. You're going to create your DraftKings Sportsbook account and make a deposit. From there, DraftKings is going to match your first deposit at 20% up to $500. With that money in your pocket, let's make your first bet and know that when you do, DraftKings is also going to match that with a risk-free first bet of up to $500. Just go to dkng.co slash great shot to play. That's dkng.co slash great shot. Uh, uh, Deposit bonus is in DK dollars, which have no cash value and must be used on DraftKings. Offer not valid for users physically located in New Hampshire. Eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for more details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, 1-800-9-WITH-IT-IN-INDIANA, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa only. And again, to get in on all of the action, just go to dkng.co slash great shot. See, Maddie, you coming back, I had to have some sort of promo code for you. I had to make this moment feel that much more special. I'm getting to bring our friends DraftKings along for this ride. And this is actually a perfect podcast for those of you who want to get in on the action in DraftKings, because as I mentioned, Maddie and I are going to be going through this Western and Southern Open draw. And I'm just going to say it at the top. I guarantee you with a thousand percent certainty, at some time I'm going to slip up and I'm going to call it Cincy. I bet, Maddie, you're probably going to do that too. It's inevitable, right? That being said, obviously we are talking about the Western Southern Open. We know it's in New York. Cincy is the pejorative. It's a testament to that city that they are now synonymous with the tournament. Nevertheless, if that slip up happens, we do apologize in advance. But here's how the breakdown is going to work. We're going to do four questions per section. We're going to try and limit these sections to about 10 minutes per each quarter of the draw. And we're going to answer four big questions in each section. One, is there any early upset potential for any seeds in the draw? Two, who are the unseeded players we could see advancing through the section? That means getting to the quarterfinals, the semifinal round. You know, three, from there, we're going to focus just on this first round action. What is the most interesting first round matchup? This podcast coming out Saturday morning. Obviously, play begins Saturday, Sunday, so hopefully uh, you all will get to listen to this before that happens. And then four, of course, I'm not going to let Maddie off the hook without a prediction now. Expect a lot of seeds. He is top seed Matt Stokowiak. That's his other nickname other than Matt the Crack Stokowiak. <laughs> but we're going to be making some picks along the way as well to get all of you listeners prepared for what to expect in this action in New York. And even before we get into the draw, let's start there. You mentioned it, Maddie. Five plus months. We've seen some players play exos, and I said this throughout this exhibition period. I maintain this fact. If you had built momentum at the start of the 2020 season, think of guys like J.J. Wolf, right, who we already saw advance through qualities, make it into the main draw. Think of someone like a Tennis Sandgren who made the quarterfinals in Australia, clearly was so physically fit, played so well through world team tennis, through the various UTR exos, J.C. Aragoni's exo he played. Uh, I think that's, you know, again, guys like that, and on the women's side too, people like Layla Fernandez, people like, you know, uh, Jennifer Brady. 
what I seem, you know, Dominic Team's another guy or who probably falls in this category. If you were playing really well at the start of 2020 and you played the exhibition period, I think having that momentum on your side, that confidence is going to be critical heading into this Western and Southern Open, Matt, because again, to get back to it, it's been five plus months other than Novak Djokovic being undefeated, which by the way, just a reminder, everyone, Novak Djokovic is undefeated in 2020. That's really the only certainty we have going into this, right, Matt? And even that's yeah. even that's a question. Right, exactly. I mean, really, it's all, we think, yeah, I wouldn't use the word certainty, but at least something that we can base this off of. Time is going to tell, man. We're just going to have to wait and see. Obviously, a guy like JJ was able to continue his momentum, qualify, get in the main draw. We'll see what he can do there. Um, you know, some of these um, some of these players played world team tennis, which was a lot of fun. They got some good matches there. You know, Taylor Fritz is a guy that comes to mind for me um, who played well in the world team tennis format. So we'll see if he can kind of carry that through. But again, man, this is a different different animal. I mean, we got money on the line. We got ranking points on the line. There's a lot on the line here. So um, we're going to find out and I'm, I'm super stoked. Yeah, it's worth remembering just who the top performers was in this 2020 season. Just going to do this quickly for our listeners, and I'm sure I will do this again when we do our U.S. Open draw preview, which, rest assured, Matty St- the Cracks the Koyak will, of course, be on. Here were really the top performers through the 2020 season at the start of it, and there were 16 total events before the season was paused, 12 different title winners during those events. Now, four different guys won multiple titles. You had Novak Djokovic winning his two titles, Australian Open, and then I believe Dubai. You had Gael Monfils winning two hard court titles immediately after the Australian Open. Worth remembering, Gael Monfils not going to be in New York. You also had the Andre Rublev rise. He was, what, undefeated through the first two weeks of the season. Looked so spectacular before losing his fourth round match. Just sort of ran out of steam against Alex Virov in Australia. We also had Christian Guerin, who had his success. Two titles. They were both on clay, but he did have two titles. Now, you know, I'm going to run through the rest of the name really really quickly. Ugo Umbert, Casper Ruud, Stefano Tsitsipas, Riley Opelka, Tiago Sabathville, Yuri Vesely, Kyle Edmund, Rafa Nadal. Those are your title winners. And what do, you know, all but really Nadal, Djokovic, and Monfils have in common, Maddie? They're all guys I consider next-gen. Tsitsipas, yeah. Rude, Umbert, even Vesley Edmund are 94, 95 at the oldest. We did start to see a slight generational shift. And, you know, it was a guy like Felix Ogier Aliassim, right? He made two finals. It was, you know, a guy, uh, as I mentioned earlier, J.J. Wolf. He was dominating the challenger circuit. Emil Rusevaroy, he was looking so good in challengers. Do you think the young guys will have an edge coming into this one? Or do you think being a veteran, the institutional know-how of, you know, navigating a three-week stretch of pro tour action will help the veterans more? Where are you in that stance? Not saying it's an either-or. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if there really is a right answer. I mean, I think from the young guys' perspective, they can just kind of come into this, forget about everything. You know, they they always have that attitude of like, okay, like who's in front of me now? You know, the veterans obviously have been around for a while, but they're so used to playing a specific structure, right? Week in, week out. They know when their tournaments are. They have their routines. I almost feel like in a weird kind of way, and I could be completely wrong about this, but the young guys may have a bit of an advantage in this 
particular situation, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and again, we are going to get into the draw breakdown, I promise. I just, it's been a while since we've set the scene, so not only am I doing this to warm up my brain, Maddie, but for all of our listeners who may have forgotten where we were, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the ATP rankings right now, how many guys under the age of 25 are inside that top 32 range, you know, guys like Daniil Medvedev, Stefano Tsitsipas, Alex Virev, Matteo Berrettini, all in the top 10, but then you have the Rublev, Hatchinov, Shapovalov, Garin, FAA trio, all in the top 20. You go a little bit beyond that, you get Fritz, you get Dimenauer, you get Hubie Hercots, Borna Chorich, Kasper Ruud, Riley Opelka, all in the top 40. These are names no one should be surprised given, you know, they've had success already in 2020. If they come out with a fire in their belly, if they come out with fresh legs, you know, we're going to know right off the bat, how did you use these past five months? Did you have access to court? How serious were you with your training? Um, it, and it's going to be fascinating to see now. I did a little bit of research, Maddie, and again, draw preview coming. I promise. I promise. But I looked back in time because we've had five plus months and, you know, yes, did I cram some of this in the last week? Of course, because why do the research five months ago when I can do it two days in advance? Um, but I went through, you know, to the start of the 2015 season uh, on the ATP tour and I went through the seven major hardcourt events. So Australia, U.S. Open, Rogers Cup, Shanghai, Cincinnati, Indian Wells, Miami. Those are the big seven on hard court, right? And I didn't have Shanghai at first, but then I was like, you know what? Someone's going to be like, well, why'd you throw out Shanghai, Alex? That seems kind of stupid. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it in there anyways, because why not? You look at the list, Matt. There are five players in total, five guys who have made the quarterfinals at all seven events in these past five seasons. Five guys, again, who've made all seven quarterfinals of the big seven hardcourt events. Can you name them? Well, I mean, you got to go uh, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, for sure. Those are right? those are three of them, and, and again, it's worth remembering. While you think of your answer, just a reminder for everyone out there, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Stan Wawrinka, Gael Monfils, Del Potro, Songa, Kyrgios, Pui, Fonini, all out of this year's U.S. Open. They will not be in New York participating. That certainly is going to weigh on the field, but yes— Federer, Nadal, Djokovic are three. Can you name the other two? And remember, I went back to 2015. Dominic Team. Dominic Team is the interesting name. He is the fifth guy on this list. He's the one who stands out. The other one, just so you know, Andy Murray also has made all seven. And again, uh, a lot of that was okay. 2015, 2016, early 2017. But those are the five guys. And you look at this time, all of this turmoil, all of this hoopla, who's good, who's going to be match tough. You know Novak Djokovic is always a favorite going into an event. But for Dominic Team who made that final at the Australian Open, who played, what, like 28 exhibition matches during these past five months and I think lost only two or three of them. He's been tr- like it. He's yep. been trending upwards. Obviously, he's, what, 26 years old at this point, I believe, maybe at oldest. Yeah, 26 years old, almost 27. It's. I don't know how any... I, like, the more I look at all of these stats, the more I look at it, I don't know how I don't just come down to it's the Novak Djokovic-Dominic team show. Yeah, I mean Dominic Team is right there. He was he, he's been fantastic over the last few months. I mean again, granted, they're exos, so I'm not I'm not going to put that much stock into it, but no, for me, he is definitely 
a top favorite um, at the Western and Southern this week. And then, I mean, heading into the U.S. Open, I would put him right right up there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, no question. And he's not as worn down match-wise as he usually is this time of year. He was, again, what I value from the exhibitions, it's twofold. If you were doing really well and you continue to do really well, I mark that as a check mark. I'm like, okay, he can, that player continued to trend positively. Same on the flip side. If you were trending negatively and you played really poorly during your exhibitions, that's something I was going to note. But it was only the extremes, not the middle stuff, because I agree. A lot of that exhibition stuff, you can just throw out. But it's just going to be fascinating. You're absolutely right. And in particular, to have the Western Southern Open, there are going to be some funky first round results. Some seed is going to lose and you're going to be like, oh, should I question them now going into the West, uh, going into the US Open? Like, I'm almost, I would say, 90% certain, Matt, that Karen Hatchinoff's going to lose his first-round match of the Western and Southern, and then he's going to just rip off a fourth round at the U.S. Open. Like, you can just see that happening now. Yeah, 100%. I knew I knew you were going to say that, too, about Hatchinoff, because he's playing <laughs> Bublik. And I knew that was—I knew you were going to bring that up somehow. But, yeah, no, I mean, if a, if a funky result like that happens this week— I mean, I, I, again, the the U.S. Open is going to be a different format anyway. I mean, you're playing three out of five. It's going to be a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, I could easily see a, a scenario where, you know, one of these seeds goes down early at the Western and Southern and then makes a run at the Open. I mean, that, that wouldn't shock me one bit. Mm-hmm. And it's something we are all looking forward to seeing. So... With that in mind, let's get into our draw breakdown. And again, we're going to go through the four quarters. We're going to start at the top. We're going to end at the bottom. Four questions per section. We're going to try and break down all of the action, get you listeners prepared for the first hit on Saturday. So with that in mind, Maddie, let's get into it. And we'll start at the top of the draw where we, of course, see Novak Djokovic, the number one seed, sitting nice and pretty. Of course, he gets a first round bye. He will take on the winner of wildcard Tommy Paul and qualifier, Ricardis Barankis, but you look in this section, let's just name the seeds. The number one seed, Novak Djokovic. The number 15 seed, Felix Ogier Aliasim. He's taken on the dangerous ball basher, Nikolos Basilashvili, first round. Number 12 seeded, Denis Shapovalov. Also in this section, he, of course, a really fun match. I and mean, I feel like these two always end up playing, but Denis Shapovalov going to take on Marin Cilic. Your final seed in the section, David Goffin, the number seven seed. He's going to play the winner of Benoit Pair and Borna Chorch in round number two. And worth reminding all of you listeners, the top eight seeds all get a bye into the second round. Maddie, my first question for you, who has, which of those seeds has the early upset potential? Yeah, I I think there's a couple. Um, I think for one, go fan. Definitely, I think there's early upset potential there. You look at his first round opponent, it's either going to be Benoit Pair or Borna Chorich. Either one of those guys is a very dangerous opponent. And I watched Gofan a little bit. He played in the UTS, uh, the Ultimate Tennis Showdown at, uh, you know, Patrick Muradoglu's Academy. And I didn't love what I saw. You know, obviously that's a funky format and everything. It's, it's a little bit odd, but just... In general, I didn't love what I was seeing out of GoFan. I think there's going to be a dangerous opponent there in that first round for him, which technically, I guess, is the second round since he has the bye. But then my other choice for upset alert possibly early on would be Shapovalov because I look at that second round. I think Dennis 
will be able to beat Chilich. I, I would favor him pretty heavily in that first round match, but looming there in the second round could be Alex Demonor. And I just, mm-hmm. I would love to see that matchup. Give me Shapo against Demon all day. I will be in front of the TV watching every second of that. And I think that's a match that Alex Demonor could win. Um, so as an unseated guy, you know, that would be an early, a, a fairly early upset. So for me, those are two guys that I would have on early upset alert. So let me start with the David Goffin thing, because I don't think we talk about him nearly as much as we should on this podcast as a tennis community in general. You want to talk about just a beautiful tennis player in terms of just makes everything look so easy as he moves around the court, the different strokes he can produce, the different spins, the different angles. He, I call him, it's the definition of your country club player, right? If you grew up, and not that I grew up going to a country club, but you've been to plenty of them if you're a tennis player, and you just know know that guy just makes it look really easy. That's David Goffin. Well, again, I was going through these past, you know, five plus years of hard court results. I mentioned the seven club, those five guys, the six timer club, uh, Stan Wawrinka, Kei Nishikori, Marin Cilic, Tomas Burdich, all occupying that. And of course, given what they've meant to the game over these past five to 10 years, that's going to shock no one. But the relevant names to me that were in the five-timer clubs, the players who I'm looking at, I'm thinking, okay, these are the players who have been pretty good, pretty consistent on hard courts. Can that consistently in a, in a time of a weird event translate here? Just because again, that institutional know-how. The names in the five-time club, Milos Raonic, Grigor Dimitrov, Roberto Bautista Agut, Kevin Anderson, and David Goffin. Now, there are three other names, Monfils, Del Potro, Sango, but they're not playing in New York, so they're irrelevant. The point I'm trying to make, though, is that David Goffin has been, again, one of clearly here the, what, 10, 12 most consistent players on hard court over these past five years. And so, yeah, you look at here, him here in the draw, and, you know, Borna George, a guy who was coming off of injury still, wasn't putting up consistent results at all to start this season. But in Benoit Paire, you have a guy who was playing really well in that first uh, portion of the year. You look for Benoit, he was number 22 in the race to the year-end finals. Obviously, that's a you know, as good as it gets for him. His career high is is number 18, but he's playing as, as high of a level as he has. Uh, yeah, that's dangerous, but David Goffin's the defending finalist at this event, Maddie. So in my mind, I, I really like David Goffin in through that to that first match. What you mentioned, though, that little quartet, Shapovalov, Chilich, Struff, and, and uh, Demonauer, Sign me yep. up for every permutation of that. I don't care if it's Chilich Struff. I don't care if it's Demon Hour, Shapovalov, or anything in between. Uh, that is a really fun section of the draw. Now, I am very much leaning towards Denis Shapovalov. I actually don't see a seeded player in this section getting upset it, uh, getting upset or losing until, you know, at earliest the round of 32. And that's what you mentioned, that Shapovalov-Demon Hour match. That's a really fun one. Outdoor hard. Hardcore Demon Hour, just such a grinder on those courts in New York, which play a little bit slower. Uh, that being said, we forget Denis Shapovalov was trending upwards so clearly uh, at the end of 2019 to start 2020. You know, he played really well uh, during the uh, ATP Cup. Now, he did lose first round in Australia, but remember, that was a really disappointing first round loss. He was playing really well before that. I probably lean Shapovalov. I don't know. I don't see an early upset in this section of the draw, but I will say this. If there's one unseeded player who I could see making the quarterfinals, it's probably uh, Alex Dimonauer. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree with that 100%. I'm going to stick to my guns, man. I do believe it's a dangerous match for GoFan. A guy like Pear can just almost take the racket out of your hand at times if he's serving well, his backhand's cooking, which it almost always is. If he's there mentally, that's dangerous. Borna Choric, I think dangerous for GoFan. And Dennis, again, that second-round match, whether it's Struff or Demon, that's tough. I would not be shocked to see a couple of early upsets here. I don't think it's going to be Novak, and I don't think it's going to be Felix, um, unless Bozlashvili isn't missing a, a ball and just hits completely right through him, but I highly doubt that. I I'm going to be watching this lower section of this quarter very closely. I think there could be some upsets. I really just hope that we get the Shapo demon match in the second round i would love to watch that yeah i mean we were all in you in particular on stroof dog at the end of last year too so we know what and i still like him yeah it's a big hitter right really really he's big dangerous hitter. yeah i completely agree with you the sort of guy who can just take the ball in particular out of a guy like alex demon hours hands just hit huge serves her huge forehands worth noting yeah. shapovalov two and one career record over marin chilich so for those of you who are like oh but marin chilich is the name i know shapovalov's the young unproven one no shapovalov's beaten him a couple of times including this year indoors in three sets so i do like shapovalov there am i you know what? I, I took this too lightly. Tennis Sandgren, major, major potential to not only beat Sinego round one, but knock off FAA round two. Tennis Sandgren is fit as a fiddle right now, Maddie. I saw him in Miami, won the event there, was playing so, so well. Uh, I saw him in World Team Tennis, him and Fritz and, you know, uh, who is the other one I'm missing here? Oh, him, Fritz, and Jack Sock were so clearly the three best players just in total by so far, and that's a field that included Sam Query, Steve Johnson, you know, all of these other good players. Uh, but Tennis Sandgren playing so well, I could absolutely see him getting to that round of 16, even testing Djokovic in a two out of three set match. Uh, but that being said, you know, I look at it, unseated player I could see advancing through this section. Probably, I would say Sandgren has a ceiling just because he's in the Djokovic quarter of the draw. Demon Hour would be my 1B. What do you say about that? Yeah, no, Demon Hour would be my my complete choice. I mean, you're you're correct about Sandgren, and he also played pretty well, I think, for the Orlando Storm in World Team Tennis, from what I saw. Okay. So he could be playing well. I just, you know, how much I love my guy FAA. Like, I, I just, I don't know. There, I'm. I would be a little nervous about that match if we get that FAA Sandgren second round match, which I would assume we would. Um, but if I had to pick one unseated player in this quarter to make it out, there's no question it is, it's Demonor because he's he's not on the Djokovic half of that quarter, mm -hmm. so he's down below. I think he would have a better chance to make it out. Demonor played a bunch of exhibitions on clay, and of course he was injured to start this season, so we really haven't gotten to see him in 2020. But what was it for? round last year in New York. Yeah, I agree. Dangerous on these surfaces. Just because it's you and me, Maddie, I feel like we haven't given Tommy Paul any love. That match versus Barankas, that's just going to be, if you enjoy clean strokes, if you enjoy pretty tennis, that's a match for you. I mean, does anyone test Djokovic in this quarter? Again, we, we sort of talked about the unseated players we could see advancing through this section. With Novak Djokovic, I don't know if you read his New York Times interview with Chris Clary, but, you know, he it was his first sit-down interview since the Adria Tour. Obviously, that was... You don't want to say a catastrophic failure, but certainly a failure, a blemish on his resume. Uh, and he, he's come out of that. Arrogance, the wrong word. Def oh, I mean, arrogance, not the wrong word. Defensive is certainly a word you could use. Just, you know, could we see an irritated Djokovic just rip through these two weeks? 
three weeks? <laughs> well, I think for sure the the next two weeks, right, or the latter two weeks at the U.S. Open, I, I think, I believe that Novak will have his eyes just a little bit ahead. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about this towards the end of this podcast, Alex, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if Novak is going to be, you know, the the choice to win the Western and Southern. I think the U.S. Open for him is going to be much, much more important, and he could have one eye on on that tournament coming up in a in another week or so. So, there's a chance he could just rip through both, like you said. I mean, he he absolutely could. If anybody can do it, it would be him. Um, you know, and and again, I, I would love nothing more than to see Tommy Paul actually upset Djokovic in 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 this tournament. But I, you know, in fairness, I, I don't think that will happen. I just I, I don't see Tommy as much of a threat to to Novak. I, I wish I did, um, but you know, at, at this point, I'm gonna have to ride with Novak on that. Hopefully, Tommy can just get through Barankis. That'll be a good win get to Novak, and then, you know, go from there. Yeah, so we, we've sort of alluded to this. You know, we talked about the unseeded and the early upset potential. Your most interesting first-round matchup, safe to assume, it's either Chilich Shapovalov or Struff Dimenauer? Yeah, I was always always going to go with Struff Dimenauer. <laughs> right. I mean, I just think Those the, are your the guys. clash of— they're my guys. I yeah. mean, the clash of styles. You've got the big-hitting, big-serving Struff. You've got the scrappy, super-fast— uh, Demonor, I just I, I love that matchup. I really like both guys, and and I'm gonna be watching that one closely. Yeah, Ve- uh, Vegas, excuse me. DraftKings agree that one's a toss up. Minus one eighty for Demonor, plus one forty three for Struff. But that really is either or. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a good one. Chapovalov minus one thirty two favorite over Chilich, plus one oh six. So DraftKings is thinking like I'm thinking. You know, again, I'm not going to watch much of FAA Basilashvili just because I like to watch long, yeah. constructive points. I don't like to watch big, you know, I don't need to watch slap after slap after slap. But it's always a pleasure to watch FAA play. That being said, I mean, I've just seen Chilich play so often. But I'm so curious what Denis Shapovalov is going to look like because he is one of those guys who, if he's hot for three weeks, quarterfinals, U.S. Open, sure. I believe it. Uh, so that's the match I'm going to be watching. But with that in mind, person you expect to see advance from this section of the draw. Give me your quarterfinals and then the person you have in the semis. Yeah, I'm going to go with Novak and Demonor in in the quarters here. I, I think that's, you know, and it, it could easily be Shapo as well. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be Gofan. I'm going to stick by that and say right now that David Gofan will not make the quarterfinals of this tournament. Now, you know, I, I may just that might, might blow up in my face, but uh, I'll go with Novak, Alex Demonor, and I'll take Novak to come out of the quarter um, and make it into the semis. <sighs> I want to take Sandgren so badly, but no, I'm not doing I it. I just think he's playing really, really well. I think Sandgren gets to the round of 16. I love FAA. I mean, FAA made two finals, though. Do I really think Sandgren's going to hit him? Man, I, I miss tennis. I forgot about these decisions. I, just, <laughs> I need some data. I need to see what these players look like. Making predictions right now is, I mean, we're going to obviously do it because we owe it to you, Cracked Rackets fans. You didn't come here to hear us cop out, but it's really difficult right now given the lack of data. I will say this. If it's Gofen, Dimenauer, give me Gofen. If it's Gofen, Shapovalov, Give me Denis Shapovalov to make the quarterfinals. Why not? Let's have a little bit of fun here. He's, of course, now going to lose to Chilich. Um, but give me <laughs> Denis Shapovalov to make the quarterfinals. I agree with you. I think he's going to play Novak, and I don't think Novak's going to get him here. 
But with that in mind, let's move on to quarter number two because, again, it gets more and more fun as we go here. And I promise that first one went a little bit long. You can't give us Demonauer, Struff, uh, Shapovalov, and Chilich in one section and not expect Maddie and I to go off. But, you know, quarter number two stays equally excited. And you look at the top seed in this section of the draw, the defending champion, the person who knocked off Djokovic at the Western and Southern Open in 2019, Daniil Medvedev, who we have not seen anything from uh, over these past, you know, few five months in terms of at least exhibition playing. Now, we have seen video of him training, and if you know anything about Daniil Medvedev, you know he will have taken this time as seriously as any player on tour. It's going to be fascinating to see him, who obviously last year, his summer hard courts, the stuff you dream about as a rising player. Top seed in this section, the first seed he would play, a guy we mentioned, two titles on the year, both came on clay, but certainly playing the best tennis of his career when the, when the tour stopped. Number 13 seeded Christian Guerin. He is the 13th seed in this section. The other seeds here, number 11, Karen Hachinov, which as you mentioned, a really fun matchup between him and Sasha Bublik, round one. And then the other top eight seed here, getting a by Roberto Bautista Agut, another one of my winners when I looked back over these past five years. Bautista Agut, especially on hard courts, has been sneaky good. He is a member member of the five-person club, as well as I mentioned, Gofen, sneaky, consistent, Bautista Goob, five-time quarterfinalist. Uh, he's made at least five of, I should say, he's made five of the seven events, the quarterfinals at five of the seven big hardcourt events over these past five years. Let's start with question number one, Maddie. Your early upset potential goes to which seed? See, I, I think it's almost all of these seeds, to be completely honest. I think Christian Guerin is on an early upset alert. He's got a second round match, most likely with Taylor Fritz looming. That is highly dangerous. On a hard court, give me Taylor Fritz in that matchup. I mean, Guerin, obviously, if it was on clay, we're talking a different story. But Guerin is not the same player on hard courts. I'm sorry. He's just not. He's a clay court player. He's comfortable on that surface. He's just not as comfortable on hard and or grass. So I think he's on early upset alert. You already mentioned earlier Karen Hatchinoff against Bublik. I mean, I would like to think that Hatchinoff is going to get through that. I really would. But Bublik is such a wild card, man. I mean, that that is a dangerous first-round opponent. So there could possibly be early upset alert there. And then the other one that I think you're really going to love here, I think RBA could be on early upset alert. Why? <laughs> Because my guy, J.J. Wolf, I think he's going <laughs> to take out guy. Gasquet and then go ahead and take out RBA or at least play him tough. I think that's scary. I would say RBA better be on a slight upset alert here. If J.J. can keep playing well, man, I don't see any reason why he couldn't beat Richard Gasquet and then put a serious scare into RBA on a hard court, right? You know, if it was Clay again, maybe a different story, but on this surface... I'm I'm feeling it. And again, I can make this prediction now because we haven't seen that much. If I was ever going to do it, now would be the time to do it, I think. You know, we haven't played this game in a while, so I'm going to throw one at you. Good take, bad take, hot take, Maddie. J.J. Wolf beating Richard Gasquet, not an upset. Yeah, that's a good take to me because Gasquet, like, again, how old is Gasquet now? He's like in his mid-30s. I mean, he's... He's just not the same. He's not the same guy. If we're being completely honest, he's just not. Obviously, you know, he was tremendous in his prime, but 
on a hard court, JJ, I just think serve, forehand, that is a match that JJ could, very well could, and maybe even should win. I saw when he got placed there as, as a qualifier, I said, okay, great, Gasquet. That's a very winnable first round match, I think, for JJ. So I like the matchup. Yeah, and look, you talked about it for Christian Guerin, just to get back to that. You look at his career on hard courts between both the challenger level and the ATP level. He's 33 and 37 on hard courts. Now, you look at him at the clay level on the challenger tour, he's 76 and 69, but on the ATP tour, he's 38 and 18. He has been, as you mentioned, the majority of his success coming on the clay. That has been his go-to surface, clearly. Now, he did win a match last year at the U.S. Open, made the second round there, and obviously that's a big jump for a player when you can start winning matches at the slams as opposed to just getting into the slams. He also made that quarterfinal appearance at the Paris Masters, of course. The Paris Masters always the funkiest on the Masters calendar, but yeah, you look at the early upset potential. You know, Lloyd Harris, by the way, can he can strike the ball quite as well. He can hit you off the court, too, if he can get through Taylor Fritz. That's still a dangerous matchup, as is Bedene, by the way. Any of these players who got the chance to play a couple of qualifying matches. Now, the fact that they're going to probably have to play a third day in a row, that makes things a little bit more difficult. But, you know, even if they do get a day off, three matches in four days after five plus months, you always wonder how the body's going to hold up. That being said, Taylor Fritz did play world team tennis. There's always a world team tennis bump for these players who do end up playing it. I agree with you. I think Taylor Fritz is the early upset potential over Christian Guerin. The Wolf-Bautista-Gut thing is tough because for J.J. Wolf, just to qualify for your first ATP main draw, make your ATP main draw debut, especially after a tough three-set physical match against Haomi Munar today, to ask him to beat Gasquet, beat Bautista-Gut back-to-back, that's pretty tough. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll certainly sniff around there. Like, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. That's that's something to keep in mind. But for me, you know, to get to question number two, the unseeded player I could see advancing through this section, and I think it's hands down has to be Taylor Fritz, right? Yeah, that, that's that's the only answer for me is just Taylor Fritz. I think that's simple. I really do. I think he got a great draw. I mean, Lloyd Harris, you know, as a qualifier in the first round, can't ask for much more than that in a Masters 1000, you know, event. And then, you know, if he does get to play Christian Guerin, who is a clay quarter in the second round as as his seed, um, I love this draw for Taylor Fritz. Obviously, De- Daniil Medvedev, we don't know. Like, he's almost the biggest enigma for me, Medvedev is, because we just haven't seen him like how is he gonna come out and look here we don't know so I just think if anybody's you know as an unseated guy in this section is gonna make it out Fritz is the guy I mean you know again he played world team tennis he's been looking pretty good I like what I've seen out of him he's on a hard court um yeah give me Fritz yeah you know I'm gonna throw one more name at you another guy who you could make the case uh again this is a stupid stat of all the players who have reached a semifinal at more than one of those big seven hard court events there are Eight, uh, 15 players who have done it at at least uh, at least three different events. One of those players unseated here in this section of the draw, Pablo Carreno Busta. 
just never sleep on him during these hard court matches. He's always going to make that extra ball. He's always going to make it difficult for you physically. And again, for all of these athletes coming back, you never worry, is Pablo Carreno Busta going to be in shape because so much of his tennis is predicated on being in shape. You know, again, we talked about how dangerous that bublik hatchinov matchup is. Even if Hatchinov gets through it, you, you play Pablo Carreno Busta round two. You know, Carreno Busta could certainly knock off a guy like Roberto Bautista Agut in round three, and then he'd find himself, you know, in the quarterfinals. Certainly, I think he deserves a mention there, right? Yeah, he does. I just, I don't... Like, again, for me, for, for Carreno Busta, I just, I, I don't know. I, I saw him, I think I saw him play in EXO in, in Spain earlier a few months ago. It was on red clay. I just didn't like what I saw. I didn't, I, you know, and again, I, I don't know how much stock we can really put into that, but I just, I wasn't loving him at the time. So for me, he's not really on my radar right now as a guy that could make a bunch of noise in this draw, but who knows? I mean, I could be way wrong and he. He could come through here. I just, for me personally, I don't see it happening. That's fair. Carreno Busta, 25 in the world, 6-5 and five on the year. He did, you know, semifinals in Rotterdam. Beat Bautista Gut earlier in the year, Maddie. Beat Yannick Sinner as well. Adrian Manorino in Australia. He made the third round before losing to Nadal in straight sets. Obviously, that's not something any of us are going to, you know, uh, knock him for. I think he's a dangerous floater, certainly. But, you know, that gets us to our next question here. Again, most interesting first-round matchup for you. I'm going to go go with a match we haven't talked about. J.J. Wolf-Gaske is certainly really, really interesting. Hatchinoff, Bublik, really, really interesting. But you know my love for college tennis, Maddie. We have two former UCLA. NCAA singles champions out of UCLA. Qualifiers, Mackie McDonald, Marcos Giron going head-to-head in this first match. Two guys who have both had significant injuries, are finally healthy, are playing really good tennis. I'm really excited for that one. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And that was, I, I basically had two two of these first round matches that I really had my eye on. And that was one of them, McDonald, Giron. That's going to be a fun one. Um, and then, of course, J.J. Gasquet. I mean, just to see J.J. in the main draw here against a player like Richard Gasquet, you know, you got to watch that one. So for me, those were really the two that popped out. Yeah, no, look, every time it's, it's not most exciting matchup because after five plus months, we're excited for every matchup. But most interesting first round matchup. You know, I think Fritz Harris, again, all of these are really exciting. The most interesting, I agree with you, it's got to be Wolf Gasquet, just because all of us are wondering, is J.J. Wolf, he looks like a top 100 player, he's inching closer and closer to being a top 100 player, you know, it's not if it's going to happen, it's when, and we're all just wondering, right. when is that going to happen? So, I would agree with you, I would say that's the most interesting first round matchup, but Who's the person you expect to see in advance out of this quarter? We have spent 10-plus minutes on this section. We haven't spent a lick of time talking about our defending champion, defending U.S. Open finalist, Neil Medvedev. How are you feeling about him coming into the restart? Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's so weird. Like, I don't know what to say about him just because we haven't seen him. But I, I for the purposes of this, uh, my confidence is there. I'm, I'm going to assume that he used the layoff to his advantage. I mean, he, look, he did, man. It's Daniil Medvedev. The guy's a top five player in the world. He knows what he's doing. My choice to match up in the quarters here, I'm going to go with the all-Russian battle. Medvedev, Hatchinov in the quarters. And then I'm going to go with Medvedev to come out of that quarter and make it to the semis. I, I, I think as the defending champ, you know, Medvedev loves the hard courts. He knows he's got a great opportunity here again over the next couple of weeks. No Nadal, no Federer. Yes, he may have Djokovic to contend with, but 
man, could you imagine, Gruskin, if, if Medvedev came out and won the Western and Southern and then went on to the U.S. Open and again made a final again or, or somehow won won the tournament? That would that'd be a real statement. So I'll take Medvedev over Hatchinov. He's one of the few guys in this draw who has proven he can dominate for five straight weeks, you know, and obviously he's only going to have to do it for right. three here, but he's one of the few who has proven, yeah, I can go out and rip off a couple, of, you know, he went City Open final, Rogers Cup final, Cincy champion, U.S. Open champion, won an event in Russia, Shanghai champion last year as well. U.S. Open final. Yeah, U.S. Open Not final Ch- too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Apologies, but apologies to Rafa as well, by the way, but it's just so, t- so here's the thing. Yes, his momentum was halted. Yeah, he didn't start out the beginning of the season that great. But if you have been following along with us since the beginning here at Cracked Rackets, and Maddie, you've been a part of the team since the beginning, so you know this. I was all in at, on Daniil Medvedev at the beginning of the 2018 season. I said, watch out. This year, this guy is going to be really, really special. And, you know, he ripped off three different titles. He went down to Winston-Salem, won your home crown, Maddie. That's when you yep. jumped on the band. there. You jumped yep. on the bandwagon with me. You said, Gruskin, for once you nailed it. This guy is pretty yep. special. And then we all saw what he did last year. I don't know. I just think athletically, it's the sort of athlete that gives Fritz all sorts of trouble. At the same time, it's the sort of ball where Fritz is going to actually have time to set on it. And uh, this is assuming, by the way, Taylor Fritz gets through Christian Guerin. And it's the sort of ball where Fritz is going to have his chances. Can he serve well? Can he hit through the court? Is Medvedev going to take a bad loss here? at Western and Southern, because if he gets through Fritz, I don't know how you see him losing before the semifinals. That bottom half of this section is a, I'm going to swear for the first time, it's a cluster. It really is. It's like, you could tell me, again, six different permutations, and I'd be like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Uh, God, I missed how difficult, I mean, I didn't miss how difficult this was. Um, Pick uh, someone. Ah, yeah, you're, all right. Give me Medvedev to take on... I can't say Hatchinov because, you know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Give me Medvedev against Kareno Busta. Give me Medvedev wow. to win that match, advance to the semifinals. So my top half, much like your top half, Maddie, we have a Djokovic-Medvedev semifinal. Very, very original. I'm sure no one else has thought of that combination at all. But that gets <laughs> us to the bottom half of the draw, and I think we're going to get more creative here. I mean... I feel like it's pretty creative to say Paulo Carreno Busta is going to make the quarterfinals. I feel like that's at least a step in the right direction, Maddie. Do I get credit for that? Is that a good take, bad take, or hot take? Well, I think that is that is a bad take. <laughs> I, I really, I, I think that's a bad take because you know what? I'll take Deuce on the Deuce <laughs> in the first round over Carreno Busta. If you want to go that route, give me the Deuce, ten, and and we'll revi- we'll revi- uh, revisit this later on. Ten push-ups to be posted on social media. Uh, well, I mean, Come I could on. always do 10 push-ups. Put your push-ups so, yeah, where I mean, your mouth could... is. All right, let's do it. Yeah, it's 10. It's nothing. All right, I'll put 10 on PCB. You put 10 on the deuce. I'm kind of angry I went against the deuce. You're like, <laughs> you're absolutely right there. That was a betrayal of my usual. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But with that in mind, let's move on to our bottom half of the draw. And again, it is so fun to see so many of these good players back in the draw. I mentioned it at the top. I'm going to periodically remind you of the fact we do not have players like no Federer, no Nadal, no Wawrinka, no 
Monfils, no Kyrios, no Pui, no Fonini, uh, obviously no Del Potro either. But we have number six seeded Matteo Berrettini in this section alongside of number four seeded Stefano Tsitsipas. Obviously, those are two of the most talented next-gen up-and-comers out there. Uh, they, of course, are the headline names, but a couple of dangerous seeds in this section as well. Number nine seeded Diego Schwartzman, who's made a couple of quarterfinals on hard, in hardcourt majors, did not do as well as I expected him to do. He's only made the quarterfinals of two of those big seven hardcourt events in the past five years, um, and that was a little bit surprising to me. Equally surprising the fact that John, or equally surprising the fact that John Isner made it to four separate events. At first, I thought, oh, maybe he hasn't been as good as I thought. No, he has been as good on hardcourt as you expect with that serve, that body. He just has that ability to dominate you with a single stroke and hit you off the court. Those are the seeds in this section. Berrettini, Tsitsipas, Schwartzman, Isner. Who do you have on upset alert? Yeah, I've got the two lower seeds on upset alert. I don't think Berrettini's in trouble. I don't really think Tsitsipas is in trouble, even though Kyle Edmund could be a very dangerous uh, first match Same for with Kevin Sitsipas. Anderson, but by the way. Yeah, Kevin Anderson, that's true. I mean, either one of those guys, I guess in my mind, I was thinking that Edmund is most likely going to get through that. But you're right, Kevin Anderson, um, very dangerous opponent because he can also take the racket out of your hand. I think for Isner in the first round, our guy Hubie, man, I mean, I, that's when I first took a look at the draw, I said, ooh. I said, okay, Big John, you got Hubie first round. That's that's not going to be easy. I think that could potentially be upset alert. I think we could see some tiebreakers in that match. And, and if Hubie, you know, connects on a return or two, I, I think that could go his way. And then for Diego Schwartzman, you know, him him and Rude in the first round, that's a total clay court matchup right there. They're just going to be grinding. That could be a four-hour match. But I, the reason why I say Schwartzman's on early upset alert is because I see Riley Opelka's name right around there. So Opelka, again, if he if his serve is cooking, his big forehand is groundies, I, I just think Schwartzman could have a tough time on a hard court with a guy like Riley Opelka. So if I were Schwartzman, I'd beware. If I was John Isner, I would beware. Um, Sitsipas, Berrettini, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, let me say this. Sebastian Corda looked really good today in his win over Jill Simone, and I have said this multiple times. J.J. Wolf, Emil Rusevaroy, those were the two best players on the Challenger Tour in 2020, and it wasn't particularly close with anyone else. You know, Arthur Rinderneck was really good. Cressy was really good, but those two stood out above the rest of the field. You know, Berrettini, Rusevaroy, that's a really fun first-round matchup. Uh, and Corda, that could be a really... Uh, testy match, I should say, for Berrettini in round two. Of course, he's going to have to get through quarter in round one, but that is a fun one. Yeah, I mean... Look, my love for Riley Opelka is well known at this point. I'm not going to go on any further. I am excited to see him match up with a college tennis, a former college tennis All-American in Cam Nori, who, of course, is also still in a really interesting point in his career. Yeah, Rude Schwartzman, I'm all in on. Did I tell you? By the way, just so you know, and I, it was clarified to me, it's Hubie her catch, not Hubie. It's Hubie. Who told you that? Hubie Hercats in Miami. And in fact, I've, I haven't told you my Hubie story. No. Oh. So it, hang on, hang on. Let me just get this straight because if he told you this directly, I, I actually have to roll with that. Usually I don't care what people say. I just call them whatever I want. But if he said it's actually Hoobie, then I've got to roll with that. Like I've got to change my ways because his, his, if, if that's what he wants, then I, I will have to do that. Yeah, and that's our guy. No, his exact words were, look, 
uh, he goes, everyone calls me Hubie. It is Hubie. And I said, all right, then, okay. it's, then I said, it's Hubie Hercots. I was like, you don't understand, Hubie. I, I drive the bandwagon. Me and Matt Sikoyak <laughs> are the co-conductors of the Hubie Hercots bandwagon. And I was like, you don't understand. We think you're the modern player. I mean, I didn't get into all of this, but he could probably see it in my <laughs> eyes that I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm truly a fan. And, of course, all of you listeners can go check out that interview we did with him on our YouTube channel from Miami. In case you haven't heard the story, I'm just going to repeat it one more time. I know some of our listeners have, Maddie, But so day two of the J.C. Aragoni event in Miami, we're about two miles, two and a half miles from the site where the action's being played and so on day one there were some parking issues it was just there were a lot of cars and people in the, pl- the police in Miami were just being weird about it in the neighborhood whatever and so Dalton was like oh yeah like Westoff and Gruskin can just walk from the site and you know of course I'm thinking in my head you understand it's 90 degrees by 8 30 a.m right we're gonna be schwitzing like hazers like we're just gonna look like such fools when we show up in complete body sweats but like yeah of course we'll walk no problem at all um no at the same time it was to make life a little easier for Catherine, who was right anything anyways so it's like 8 45 a.m maddie and me and westoff are walking from our airbnb we've got our backpacks on it we are full schwitz like the sweat is pouring down already and again it's early morning south beach these beautiful cars are driving by we just must look like complete fools right and so you know we're walking down and i see this beautiful bmw driving towards us and i'm like wait a second i think i know that pearson and of course who is it it's hubie hercots and his coach greg uh, craig boyton and what do they do maddie unprompted i we were gesturing at them both hubie and craig they wave at us they go they just wave at us as they're driving by it was it was just it was the funniest moment because i'd spent a lot like the previous day talking to craig and talking to hubie and just like dude I, i've told you this hubie hits the tweener in miami he puts his arms up yeah. in the air the person he's looking at is me and i have my arms up in the air because i'm like dude that's incredible and i'm sitting next to his coach anyways uh yeah, I'm a Hubie Hercots fan. Uh, I agree with you. To get back to the main point, he's an unseeded player who certainly, who if he can get through that Isner match against Manorino, against Millman, he can get through that as well. For Pass, an Edmund or Anderson first-round match is tough, but much like Dominic Team, I just think Stefano Pass, he just... I, I, again, you can throw UTS out the window, whatever you want. Everything about his persona, everything about his mindset, every answer he's given, I know he gets funky, but this guy's a winner. This guy is going to have spent his past five months properly. At least I think so. I think he's going to come into this locked in. I think he's going to look really good. So I don't see him on upset alert. I guess, again, you look at these first round matchups, they're all so intriguing. What's the one you have your eye on? Yeah, it's tough because these were all really interesting where nothing like really popped out as a super, super crazy match. So I actually want to give some love to the young guys, Sebastian Corda, Emil Rusevori, like two qualifiers that come in. Corda's 20, Rusevori's 21. These are two young guys. They both qualify. I think that's going to be a super fun match for the first round of a Masters 1000 event. Like, I I just hope these guys take advantage of the opportunity and play a really good match. You know, we could sit here and say, oh, Pelkanori, you know, or how about Isner and Hubie? But, you know, at the end of the day, I want to watch all of these. So 
I'm going to give some love to the young guys. I think that's going to be a very intriguing first-round match, and whoever wins gets a shot at Berrettini, which would also be a very interesting match, which you alluded to earlier. What happened to you? Are you feeling all right? I'm just saying, man. Dude, I'm just saying. You've aged because like here's a fine wine. Here's the thing. Isner and Hubie obviously jumped out like when I first saw it because I was like, ooh, Hubie's unseated. He could, I mean, that's that's a good matchup. However, in terms of just pure like viewing pleasure, yeah. that's going to be a lot of aces. You know, you know how that match is going to go. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to pick that one. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, if if we if you look down a little bit, how about Manorino Millman? Like that could be a four hour match. Those guys could absolutely just grind out there. That could be a seven six in the third kind of match, mm-hmm. written all over it right there. No. So honestly, almost all of these first round matches in this quarter. Could be could be interesting. They're all pretty good, I think. No, completely agree with you. They're all really exciting. Very, very interesting. Just to throw two seconds on Edmund Anderson, if you recall the year Kyle Edmund made that semifinal in Australia, who did he upset in round number one? Kevin and- Kevin Andrew Van Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. And so it you know, two years obviously so much has changed for both of them. But Kyle Edmund won a title on the ATP tour in twenty twenty. He was starting to find his form once again. Obviously, if Kevin Anderson is back healthy, that's a really tough first round for both of those players. Now, you know, I have a rule. If you're over six foot ten, you automatically are disqualified from being my most interesting first round match. But I will say, you know, you know, but those are both interesting. But Casper Ruud, Diego Schwartzman, that's fascinating because you look at Casper Ruud, he won an ATP title. You mentioned it. He's so proficient on the clay. Is there more than that? Is he a guy who can be a top 20 player and dominate across multiple surfaces? I don't know yet. Yeah. And you're never going to get a harder test than Diego Schwartzman. So in terms of most interesting, that's when I really have my eyes on. Yeah, that's a good choice. In terms of Rude, the jury's still out for me. I, at this point, exactly. I do not think, I, I don't see the top 20 kind of guy where he's just going to be you know, making runs on every surface throughout the entire year. For me at this point, he's still just kind of a clay court specialist. I'd love to see him get more well-rounded on the other surfaces, but he has to show me. He's got to show me. Mm-hmm. No, I think he nailed it there. So with that in mind, who are you expecting to move through this one, Manny? You know, I'm going to go with Stefano Tsitsipas. And I think I just, I liked, I liked what I saw out of him, you know, during the entire layoff. I mean, he really looked focused. I think he's, well, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure, about, you know, picking who we think is going to win the tournament. But um, I, I just, I think he's, I think he's super, super dangerous. You know, I'd love to pick Opelka or, or Berrettini. I mean, you know how much I love Berrettini. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I think Tsitsipas is, he's going to have the goods here. Can I just say I missed you? I really, really did. I, I just give you this whole thing. You've aged like a fine wine. You pick Corda Roussevaroy, but of course the real mic drop came at the end when you picked the number four seed, Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, who do you yeah, think, who I, do you go- think's coming out then? <laughs> Well, look, when I insult you, it's because I'm projecting, because I'm very insecure in my own picks right now, Maddie. You've known that about me for two plus years. Come on. You're right. That's not new news. Tsitsipas is a good pick. It is the I mean, what am I supposed to say? Exactly. There's been no data, none at all. You are 
I highly recommend everyone use DraftKings, particularly for the early rounds, because you at least in the early rounds can have a certain sense of sometimes there's some lopsided matchups, sometimes there's just some odds you can't ignore. One, stay away from parlays, because to try and guess two of these match winners right is going to be so difficult all week long. Two... Yeah, I mean, it's really tough, right? Because let's say Opelka gets hot. Opelka serves his way through Nori, serves his way through Schwartzman, matches up with a Berrettini. That's just a physical battle. Let's say Opelka wins that. But then he matches up against... I don't know. If it's not going to be Stefano Tsitsipas, I think it's going to be one of Opelka and Isner. I just, yeah. I know Berrettini was so great down the home stretch of last season, you know, semifinals, U.S. Open, semifinals in Shanghai as well, made the year-end finals, three titles on the year overall, but he was injured to start this season. It's been a while since I've seen a healthy Matteo Berrettini. I'm just not exactly sure what to expect. And it comes down to three guys, Opelka, Isner, Tsitsipas. I think it's going to be Opelka versus Tsitsipas in the semifinals. God, I have just in such In the quarterfinals. Uh, in the quarterfinals, excuse me, yes. I just, I, I always pick the next-gen guys, and I always get burned. It's going to end up being Schwartzman Tsitsipas. I'll take Tsitsipas as well, but I'm going to say Tsitsipas versus Opelka, and I will take Stefano Tsitsipas. Should I have been writing these down, by the way? I am going to write them down. I remember what they were. I will do that after we transition to our fourth and final quarter. And again, I will. the reason I'm going to write them down, we'll recap everything we've talked about at the end. But this fourth and final quarter, again, just as exciting as the prior three. Uh, they all are interesting, and I don't know if you can find a more interesting little three uh, then this little quad, uh, this little trio of number five seeded Alex Zverev, who's going to face the winner of wild cards, Francis Tiafo and Andy Murray in his first round match. Of course, my love affair for Alex Zverev need not be repeated here, as I'm sure it's about to come up in the next 10 minutes. But this is a fascinating section, Maddie, and stop me if you've heard that before, because number 10 seeded Andre Rublev, arguably, again, one of the five best players during the first two months of 2020 on this ATP season was so good during that month of January just ran out of steam against Zverev again in the Australian Open he's your 10 seed Grigor Dimitrov who's the defending semi-finalist in New York your number 14 seed and then of course the guy we talked about at the top honestly if you're going to be making a list of contenders right now you probably put two guys at the top of that list it's Novak Djokovic number one and it's your number two seed here Dom Dominic team number two, Maddie, of those four seeds, Zverev, Rublev, Dimitrov, team, who do you have on upset alert? Yeah, I think almost, again, almost all of them are on upset alert except for Dominic team. I think Dominic team is safe. I like his draw a lot. Grigor Dimitrov, I would put on upset alert just by default because I don't know where he is mentally. You know, if he shows up and he's there and he's playing well, then I think he'll win. But you never know with Grigor, and I just I don't trust him. And Ugo Umber is is a dangerous lefty opponent in the first round, so I could see that going towards Umber. Um, Andre Rublev is definitely as much as I I like him, and I I think he'll get through this section. He's got to be on upset alert. I mean, he plays a tricky Dan Evans in the first round. That is probably not the first round that Rublev wanted to see in the draw. Dan Evans, he's going to serve and volley some. He's going to slice his backhand. Tricky opponent there. And then if he does get through that, he's either going to have big serving Query or big serving Milos Reinich. So 
I think Rublev definitely has to be on high alert. And for Zverev, he's either going to get Andy Murray or Francis Tiafo. Either one of those guys is going to be a super dangerous opponent in Zverev's first match. Are the double faults going to come in and, and plague him? We don't know. But I would say in this section, to me, this is the most interesting quarter out of every single one that we've talked about so far. By far, to me, it just is. Dominic Team is safe. I love his draw. But everybody else... I think should be on should be on upset alert. Yeah, and I have a feeling we're about to get to a top four seeded uh, semifinal, but I, it's hard to disagree with anything you just said right there, Maddie. Dominic Team played during this exhibition series. Do you wonder if he's matched up? No, not at all. And he might be the only player in the men's draw, you know, outside of Tennis Sandgren, who just frankly doesn't have the ceiling of a Dominic team, who you can say that about. And so, yeah, I agree. He is safe. Krajinovic Caruso, if one of them beat him in round number two, you can pencil me in as truly shocked. Ugo Umbert is just a tricky matchup for Grigor Dimitrov for a couple of reasons. One, lefty. And of course, lefty into the one-handed backhand, that's always something you think about. Two, Umbert, was he a finalist in Delray? A semifinalist? I think semifinalist, right? And he lost either Opelka or Nishioka. Uh, But he also won uh, won himself an ATP title this year. He's inside uh, the top 50 right now. And most importantly, Ugo Umbert, a guy who's been in the second week of a Grand Slam before. He made that fourth round at Wimbledon last year. That sort of experience being there at the big stage, that matters in a matchup like this. Now, as you mentioned for Dan Evans and Andre Rublev, you know, that was a matchup we saw, I believe, earlier this year in Dubai, if memory serves me correctly. And I believe Dan Evans actually knocked off Rublev in a tricky three-set match. I believe it was a testy one as well. Again, I'm looking up this result as I'm talking through it. I believe that was the the case, but yeah, Dan Evans right now at a new career high, number 28. He's 11 and 5 on the year, as I mentioned. Beat Rublev 2 and 6. Beat Fonini in that event as well before bowing out to Tsitsipas. Oh, I forgot Tsitsipas made that final in Dubai. All right, that makes me feel a lot better about the Tsitsipas pick uh, in the previous quarter, but yeah, I mean, look, that's a tough matchup, certainly. The one-handed backhand, the slice, the fact that he's going to get Rublev outside of his strike zone, and you know if you give Rublev balls in the strike zone, he's just going to beat you because he hits the ball that big, that cleanly. I don't think Zverev's under upset alert at all for Andy Murray and Francis Tiafo, and I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to jinx it so that Andy <laughs> Murray beats him. But, uh, you know, even if I just jinxed it there by saying that out loud, that's fine. A Zverev win is cool. Honestly, a Tiafo win's cool as well. Thankfully, I'll go into that round of 16 feeling good no matter what. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even beyond that for Andre Rublev, let's say he gets by Dan Evans, the winner of Sam Query, Milos Raonic. Milos Raonic is a member of the five quarterfinals out of the seven big events in the past five years club. I mean, yeah, he looked a little bit out of shape, no denying that in the photos that have emerged. But with that serve, that game, same thing could be said about Query. If they're hot, why not? I don't know. That being said, who's the unseated player you could see advancing through this section? Yeah, I think probably Evans, right? Well, no, I, I wasn't gonna say Evans. I, I, I think it's gonna be one of the big set. Like you have to go with Milos or Sam just because of the surf. It like they're serving alone, right? They're guys that can literally take the racket out of your hand. I mean, you already mentioned about Milos. He's a member of that club. I mean, if his serve is rocking. It doesn't matter who he's playing. I mean, he could he could definitely win, and Query's the kind of guy that even has a little bit more of a ground stroke game to back it up. 
I think whoever wins that matchup, and I'm going to take Sam just more because I, I hope that I want Sam to win. I think Quarrier Rayanich would be my choice as an unseated player that could make a serious run just because of the weapons that they possess. Evans, I, I like Evans, but for Evans to go through Rublev and then go through Quarry or Milos and then Zverev and then like I just I, I think that's way too tough of a way too tough for Dan Evans. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, Dan Evans played the Battle of the Brits recently, right? And he played well during he it, so he is match tough. And I just think it's such a tricky game to play him. He throws you off your rhythm. So yeah, he can get Rublev, you know, bent down by throwing in slice or just in uncomfortable positions on the court. Can do the same thing to Milos and Sam. Although again, those big serves into the one-handed backhand, yeah, he can keep that slice low. But you know what Milos is going to do? And like, if Milos executes well, he could just straight up beat Dan Evans. So yeah, I think those are the two picks. You made the the case for Rayonich. You made the case for Dan Evans. Those are the two. Do we talk about the Murray thing? Do we do no, it? No, I'm no. not ready to. Yeah, I'm not ready not to. As much as, as well. I, would, I, I would love to, right? I mean, I know you would love to, but I just, I don't think we're no. there yet. I, I think we have to pump the brakes on that a little bit. No, I agree. And I mean, in terms of interesting, what do Francis, Te- you know, it's probably just as interesting to know what does Francis Tiafo's game look like right. as much as it is what does Andy Murray's in terms of a first round matchup. But you talk about the most interesting first rounders. I mean, Look, Umber Dimitrov is 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 a stealthy interesting first round matchup. I think for me, I go Evans Rublev just because uh, if Andre Rublev comes out swinging like he did to start 2020, he's gonna be on my short list of players who can win. Yes, win the U.S. Open uh, if he plays the sort of level we saw again in the month of January. But I don't know what's your most interesting first round matchup. Yeah, you already know what it is. That's the reason why you picked Evans <laughs> Rublev because it's it's the obvious choice. I mean, for me, Francis mm. Tiafo, Andy Murray, both guys like regardless if they were not playing each other, right? I would really want to be dialed in to watch Andy Murray, regardless of opponent. And same thing with Francis Tiafo. I want to see where his game's at. The fact that they drew each other, right, as two wild cards in this tournament, the winner to face Zverev, that, I mean, it just popped out immediately when I looked at the draw. You know, again, I said, this to me was the most interesting quarter of the draw, this very bottom quarter. But that match, I mean, I cannot wait to watch Andy Murray play Francis Tiafo. I hope that's like prime time night match. Put it on the the center court. Just give me a good one there. I, I I'm really looking forward to that matchup. Your life is on the line, and you have to pick one of these strokes as the foundation of your game. What do you go with? The Alex Zverev serve or the Francis Tiafo forehand? Oh, the Francis Tiafo forehand. I have zero confidence mm. in the Alex Zverev <laughs> serve. That that's I mean that's an easy one. Zverev. I, Good God, man. I would, if my life is on the line, oh my God. Yeah, no way. Give me the Tiafo oh. forehand for sure. My life is on the line. You can slice it at that point. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. I'll say this. UTS did some, you know, UTS was a really cool thing, as you mentioned. Mr. Patrick Mortalu hosting that event at his academy, and they had a, a court level camera, and you were on the baseline, and you got to watch Alex Zverev at baseline level take on FAA. And I'll just say this to all of you out there go watch Alex Zverev at a baseline level for five minutes, and tell me you're not in love with his game the way that I am. Because you just see this big athlete who's so fluid, who just every contact point. Every swing looks so easy to him until he gets to the net, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, 
And I'm just... I'm still all in on the Alex Zverev train. I think he's the favorite to beat whoever beats Tiafo and Murray. I do like him to advance to the quarterfinals of the section. Am I going to take him over Dominic Team, though? I don't know. I'm going to hear what you're going to do, Maddie. What is your selection for this portion of the draw? Yeah, I mean, my confidence in Zverev just isn't there, man. I don't know how you can feel that confident with that kind of a serve. It's what um, they said about Murray, too. It's what they said about yeah, Murray, too. Whatever. Here's what I'm going with. As much as I've talked about Andre Rublev being on upset alert, I think he's got a very difficult draw. But... I'm going to pick him to come out of the top half of this quarter and actually play Dominic Team in the quarterfinals for a shot at the semis. Um, but I'm going to go with Team. So Team over Rublev in the quarters would be my choice. Zverev, I'm sorry. I, I The confidence for me right now is not there. I think he's on upset alert in his first match against Murray or Tiafo. I really do. I'm not saying he's going to lose. I'm not saying he's going to be you know, the underdog, but I just, I think it's dangerous for him. Give me Rublev team with team advancing into the semis. So we're an hour 10 into this podcast. So I'm going to leave this up to you, Maddie. Do you want this Virov rant now, or do you want me to save it for the U S open preview pod? I don't care if you want to go on his Vera. I, well, I'd say let's wait because let's see yeah. what he does. Let's see yeah. what he does first. Right. Yep. Yep. Nope, totally down for that. I agree. I Let me just say this. Over these past five months, I've watched a lot of highlights of a lot of these players trying to get myself up to snuff, trying to find the little details. I've got a good 15-minute Alex Jurov rant in me. I'll just leave that there for now, man. All right, um, all right. I've definitely got it in me. I am going to stick with Zverev team. I'm just... Till the end, till we get one more full season, Alex Zverev has one more full season of just my complete and unequivocal adoration. I'm gonna rock with him. I just, I believe in his tennis game. I think you look at him and he continues to look stronger, continues to fill out that frame. I see it, and I hope I'm right. I'm gonna take him versus Dominic Team. But as I mentioned, this is Dominic Team's time. I think this is his Grand Slam. It's probably gonna be my pick to win the U.S. Open. I'm gonna take him here to advance to the semifinals. And to be honest, Maddie, this is so mortifying because we have, I think, the same four semifinalists. Yep. They're all the top four seeds. Again, cut us some slack. We haven't seen pro tennis in quite a bit of time. Of course, we're gonna take the favorites. But to recap, here are the quarterfinals. Second Section number one, you picked Djokovic Demonauer. I picked Djokovic Shapovalov. Section number two, you picked Medvedev Hachinov. I picked Medvedev Karenu Busta. I'm already regretting that, but honestly, that feels right because there's always one funky one. There's always a funky one. I think that's going to be it. Third section, you have Tsitsipas versus Berrettini, right? No, no, I have um... no Tsitsipas. I knew I got that one wrong. No, I do. I have uh, Opelka. Opelka. pass. You also took Opelka? Yep. Uh, now I'm feeling worried because I also took pass Opelka, and then the last one, you have Rublev team. I have Zverev team. Yep. In our semifinals, Djokovic versus Medvedev. pass versus Dominic team. Let's end the podcast with this segment, Maddie. Your predictions for the finals and then ultimately the winner in Cincy. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I think uh, in the top half, Novak against Medvedev. Again, I like I said before, I think Novak is going to have one eye towards the U.S. Open. I don't think the Western and Southern is is really as important to him, and I think he's going to want to get a little bit of rest. I'm not saying he's going to tank any matches or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but 
I'm going to pick Daniil Medvedev to beat Novak Djokovic in the semifinal. Um, I just, I, I, I see that kind of playing out in this particular tournament. So I'll go Medvedev in the top half and then Sitsipas Dominic team. This one is tough. And, and I'm just going to go with my gut here because again, we haven't seen a lot of tennis. We don't know. The last time these two played, Dominic Team, Stefano Sitsipas, do you remember where that was, Gruskin? Matty, all I've done for the past five months is watch their year-end tour finals highlights. Okay. Who won that match? Stefano Sitsipas, yep. winner of the 2019 year-end finals. That's right. I agree. I, th- I think uh, – so are you taking Sitsipas? I am. I am. I love that. I am. Love, love, love. I'm going with Medvedev and Tsitsipas in the final. I love whenever those two get on the court together. We've seen fireworks with those guys. So I think that would be a highly entertaining final. Not that Medvedev and team wouldn't be your Djokovic team. Personally, I just feel like it's going to be Medvedev, Tsitsipas. And as the winner, I'm going to go with Stefano Tsitsipas as the champion of the Western and Southern. I just think it's his time. I really liked what I saw overall during the Exos at the UTS. I think he's very focused. He looked really, really good, man. I mean, just ripping the ball all around his entire game, serving, returning, net play. I just, I think this is, I think this is an opportunity. So I'm going to take Stefano Tsitsipas to win the tournament. It's a really good pick, and I think the thing we all see with Medvedev, Tsitsipas team, you know, uh, and Novak Djokovic, and you want to throw Zverev in that conversation, considering he was a semifinalist in Australia as well. Those are your five. It's probably going to be one of those five who emerges as the Western and Southern and and U.S. Open champions. It just really depends on where everyone falls in the draw. And here's my thinking, though. If Novak Djokovic, who, again, undefeated on the year. And go watch that highlight again. He was down match points to Gael Monfils. This Novak Djokovic, and watch the final against in the Australian Open against Dominic Team. This is 1998 Michael Jordan. This is a guy who just, even if he's not playing his best tennis, he has now played so many matches, is so match tough, so just, uh, you know, so confident in his routines, in his plays, in his patterns that he could just win a match, even if he's playing ugly. You know, that was, he didn't have Scottie Pippen and decide Novak Djokovic, meaning everything wasn't working for him. Didn't matter. He won that match in a third against Gael Monfils. You know, he is a man who certainly is a, is not afraid to create a couple of narratives of himself as the underdog, of himself as the person everyone's rooting against. And given there was a lot of media vitriol, by the way, justified media vitriol, sent in his direction these past five months. I mean... If he gets to the semifinals against Medvedev, you think he's going to lose to Medvedev? He had those, you know, last year, the Western and Southern, he was up big on Medvedev and then just sort of fell apart in that match. All of that was a prelude to him, obviously, being injured, not playing well at the U.S. Open, but... I I just think it's going to be more important for Medvedev to win this tournament than it is for Novak. I think Novak must win the U.S. Open. Like... That is, I I feel like his sole focus is going to be on the Grand Slam. He has to win the U.S. Open. This is an opportunity for him without Rafa, without Roger. Novak has to win this U.S. Open, you know, obviously for many reasons. It's going to put him one closer, you know, and all of that. I just think Medvedev, it's, it's going to be more important, and I could just see that match going towards 
Medvedev, and and I don't think Joker will be that upset. And look, you know what's funny about that is Joker, if they match up in the U.S. Open, give me Novak. Give me Novak in that matchup. So I'm saying for this tournament, I'll take Medvedev in that match. So I'm going to make the exact opposite case. If you're Novak Djokovic, the match becomes that much more important because you're right. You cannot give Daniil Medvedev even an ounce of confidence heading into that U.S. Open battle. And I just think, and I've said this before to you before, to our Cracked Rackets fans as well, once the floodgates open, once one of these young guys wins a slam, even if it's team, even if it's Zverev, it's Tsitsipas, it's Medvedev, whomever it may be, I think then you see a run. I think then you see the reign of the big three, big four. I think it's over. And I just think once one guy sees, oh, wait, Tsitsipas won a Grand Slam? F*** that. I can win a Grand Slam now. Like, especially uh, if you're Alex Virev and you know that rivalry that exists there. I just, if you're Novak Djokovic, you need to hold on to that mental edge you have as long as possible. And that means winning each and every match you play each and every week. That being said... I think this is going to come down to a Novak Djokovic-Dominic team three-week battle. I think those are just clearly the two most confident, two best players in tennis right now. We've all said the next one in line is Dominic team. I'm going to re-examine it when we get to the U.S. Open preview, but for now, Dominic team's my guy. And I think your case for Stefano Tsitsipas winning that match over team, really good case as well. I could definitely see it going that way. But I have a lot of confidence in Dominic team right now. Certainly the most match tough, most confident player on tour. You know, he was asked today in his press conference, how safe do you feel playing? His answer was, there's no safer place in the world to be right now than this New York bubble. That just speaks to how locked in he is, how excited and ready he is to start competing once again. Give me Dominic team to win this event. And, you know, again, I, I know I just made that long in case for Djokovic. Over Djokovic in the final. And okay. I think, by the way, that could be a sneak peek of what I say in my U.S. Open preview. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I, I like it, man. I like it. Let's roll with it. Let's watch this Western and Southern, see what we get. And we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll revisit this at a later time. No, absolutely. Again, we are going to have a lot of fun over these next three weeks here at Crack Rackets as we cover all of the action in New York. And again, it's going to be threefold, right? It's not just going to be podcasts. It's going to be articles. We're going to have Maddie back on the website, Luke Moorhead, uh, Brian Zhang, Clark Cummings, Vance Vermani, myself, our, our whole crew. We're ready to rock and roll. We are really excited. And of course, we're going to be on YouTube as well. So be on the lookout for all of those things. But yeah, Maddie, I mean, again, We've talked a lot about the tennis. We have broken down the draws. Any final thoughts on this Western and Southern Open before we wrap? No, man, I'm good. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm just excited to be watching this tennis. I mean, we talked about all these matches, right? And and now now we get to go watch them. Like, what's better than that? You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to have a blast. I know you are. I know our texting is just going to be blowing up with each other. So let's have some fun, man. And, uh, you know, we got the U.S. Open coming up too. So this is, this is a great time. I'm I'm pumped. No, I agree. I'll say it one more time. Since they support us here at Cracked Rackets, our friends at DraftKings, the odds right now in Cincy, Novak Djokovic minus 106 to win the event. The guys we picked, Dominic Team plus 600. He's the second favorite. Medvedev's third at plus 700. But your guy, Stefano Tsitsipas, plus 900 right now. And by the way, Alex Zverev is fifth at plus 1,500. After that, it's a big drop-off. Bautista, Gut, Rublev, both at plus 2,500. So yeah, they seem to agree with us. Those are the five guys. And that may seem very obvious, but again, 
We haven't had much data to go off these past five and a half months, so I know I speak for all of us when I say we are so excited for the action to get started. And again, if you want to get in on the action, just go to dkng.co slash great shot. Get ready for our Ace of the Day segments to be rocking and rolling. And again, we've got some really fun stuff planned with DraftKings for these next three weeks, so be on the lookout for all of that. Of course, I always have to give a huge shout out to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff. For the f*** of an editing job, they do day in, day out. They make all of this possible, and we're going to be working them over these next three weeks, so a huge thank you to them, as always, in advance. A huge thank you to you, Maddie, who takes the time again. It's been far too long, and maybe it's because we knew we were going to go an hour 20 that we've been, you know, holding off, but, you know, hot damn, it was good to talk some tennis with you once again. It was great, man. You know, I was, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Well, five and a half months or whatever you said, just about that <laughs> yeah. long, so... Um, yeah, always great to be with you, man. Thanks for having me on, and, and we'll do it again very soon. Of course we will. Well, then, with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks, the Koyak, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maddie, because it's been five and a half months, I will remind you we are on the Great Shot Podcast and not the mini break. So what do we tell all of our listeners? Hey, great shot. Oh, he still got it. I am glad to hear it. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, Maddie.